0: Hi, this is Tony Lloyd. Interviewing people for many years has made me realise that everyone has a life story to tell. Be they sad, amazing or even inspirational, I want to bring as many human stories to you as I can in this series of podcasts.
1: Human Stories with Tony Lloyd.
0: So Liz, thank you very much for talking to Human Stories. Thank you.
1: Thank
0: you. And your... um In Thailand, I understand. Uh, How long have you been there?
1: Well, we're in Krabi in Thailand right now. We've been here just over four years. And prior to that, we were in a place called Kowla for about three years. So, Properly, yeah, a good seven or eight years, although I still find it hard to believe that I've been here that long. Um, i <laughs> I really didn't think I'd be settling in Thailand and having kids when I came and did my dive master qualifications back in two thousand and
2: eight
1: wow. so um, yeah, it's amazing how life kind of spirals in a certain direction
0: so um that qualification allows you to teach people diving, does it?
1: um well, I'm an instructor the instructor is that you can teach people yeah. Um, yeah. So dive master is the first professional, so dive master means that you can take. People or groups of people diving. So you're kind of like their guide in the underwater world. Um, so, what happened? I, I left England. I'm a physiotherapist. I left in 2007 on a big round the world trip and kind of got stuck, if you like, in Thailand. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Doing loads and loads and loads of diving. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I went home and just said, right, uh, I've not finished. I need to go back and do more diving so I need to work out a way where I'm going to get paid to do the diving rather than me having to pay all the money. So I went and did my dive master, and then that led to becoming a diving instructor.
0: That's fantastic. So is that what takes up most of your time?
1: Well I've not been teaching or doing you know any kind of um, kind of pro work like that since we started Shark Guardian in 2013 Mm. Um, but I met my husband through becoming an instructor because he was running another dive centre On
0: Colantha. Did you meet him underwater?
1: Absolutely not. And he was not my my instructor. So there's no kind of cliche in that part at all. There is so much of that. (laughs) (laughs) I can actually vouch for that. Um, So, no. Oh, we just we knew each other from afar for a while mutual friends um but it, then one evening we ended up getting together cuz he was just talking about sharks one evening and that was well i was already an instructor working in another part of thailand um mm. and then we met up and he was just telling me all about these shark adventures and at the first time i'd already started learning about the decline in, in fish species especially the big pelagics when i became an instructor i was very lucky to work with somebody who was telling me the state of the oceans mm. um and you know, if you're passionate about something, you just you just end up learning more and more, don't you? And yeah. Then, um, I had no idea about the extent of what was happening with sharks at that point. So that was 2009, okay. I think
2: it was.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Okay. Tell me about this shark um, charity organisation that uh, that you run in Thailand. What's all that about?
1: Yeah. So we're actually a UK charity called Shark Guardian. So Brandon and I met. Um, we got together, and it, quite early on, he, he said to me, Liz, I've got this list of schools. So so Brendan is like the highest up you can be within the scuba diving world. He's actually a course director, so he can teach people to be instructors, and he's even one level above that, actually. He he kind of examines the instructors now as well. At that point, he was the course director, but he had already done marine biology and done lots of studies of sharks in his early early years of becoming a dive professional. I mean, he became a, an instructor when he was 18. That's the youngest he can be. Um, and that was in South Africa. So when he was working in Thailand, he used to just share his knowledge and passion with people. Um, and we have very good friends who, you know, just say, they used to be on the dive boats, you know, which were packed. You'd have 40 or 50 people on these big boats. And they'd say, where is everybody? Where have they gone? And they were like, Brendan's on the boat, they'll be upstairs listening to him talk about sharks. And he would, he would just have these little audiences talking about sharks. He met a lot of teachers, so the expats, you know, they, like they do now, they travel from Bangkok or, you know, Chiang Mai, come to, town, like, come to um, Krabi and Kualanta to dive. They started to say, you need to come to our school. This is such valuable information. So mm. Brendan gave me this, and you know, these scrawny little bits of paper um, with all these school contacts and I says, well let's just make something of it let's just let's just go I'll email all these I created this little tour I think it was 2010 the first one we got on a motorbike drove to the airport went to Bangkok we, stayed, we did it all so cheaply paid it ourselves um, and went to about eight schools I think over four days um, and it that was the start of it really getting big I, I imagine mm. Um just realized we had something quite unique that was just brendan presenting at that point you know quite generic because it's not just about sharks it's it's the bigger picture of the ocean so for schools it was like wow there's so much we don't know yeah that was 2010 and then we went to work in indonesia a place called sulawesi and while we were there i mean already in thailand so brendan had been diving in lanta for almost eight years already and he the, leading up to that two thousand and two thousand and nine, everyone was saying the massive decline in shark species they were seeing. Particularly mm. there's a species called the leopard shark, actually there's zebra shark. You know, year after year, massive drops that you were you were witnessing you see hardly any of these leopard sharks, yet you you'd see two or three on a dive literally the year before. So it was like something massive is is happening. We're mm. working in Indonesia we started to do the presentations together every week to our guests it was like working on a resort we'd have people come and they were just like you know even divers didn't know what was happening to sharks so we were seeing the decline in numbers but at the same time shark fin soup shark finning was kind of making its way into the world because of rob stewart's movie shark water mm. um And it was like we just got on the roll, we were doing these presentations, had more contacts saying you've got to do more about this because the world needs to know about this. So we were at this resort working for a year and at the end of it we were just like, you know what, this is a big thing. We've got something unique. The world does need to know. If we're going to do something about it, we've got to do it now because Mm -hmm. sharks are in such big trouble. So we said, right, well, I've got I had these contacts in Bangkok. We had uh, Malaysia, Hong Kong. we just literally left all our jobs and just hit the road. Um, you know, we stayed on friends' floors. People would buy us meals. You know, we weren't earning any money. We did it all by ourselves, mm. and that was really the start of Shark. That that was the proper start of Shark Guardian.
0: Okay, it sounds like a really worthwhile organisation. Fantastic. Uh, Would you say that most of your teaching uh, to children especially is about uh, conservation of sharks or about the dangers of having sharks in the water
1: nearby? Um, It covers a bit of everything. So we have like a standard outline for all presentations, but depending on the schools we go in, depending on the levels, we will just tweak it for those different, um, or even timings. So we like to start with an introduction about why sharks are so important. Mm. The most people don't realise sharks are top of the food chain, so they influence everything under, underneath it. You take sharks out, you get a massive imbalance throughout the ecosystem
2: yeah. um, and
1: that's for species populations, but also kind of well, how healthy the reefs are. That, that, you know, it's a massive, massive, catastrophic,
2: effect. Mm.
1: and you know, especially for people who don't li- live near the oceans or people who aren't bothered about shark finning. When you tell them that, and you know that. We get more than 70 percent of our oxygen from the ocean they kind of go whoa okay yeah i need Mm -hmm. to listen to this 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 is this is important and why don't i know about this already so so we have the importance of sharks um we also have a bit of the evolution linked with that Mm -hmm. obviously dinosaurs sharks have been around long with Um, And then we go on about the myths and misconceptions. That's a big one we have to talk about Mm -hmm. um, because of, you know, Jaws and movies that create this false image of the shark. Yeah. Um, Then we like to talk about species. We go on a lot about that, sometimes biology. And then we start to talk about the problems, why they're disappearing, and then we wind it up with conservation, so how you can get involved. Absolutely, this is what you, everybody can do to try and help our sharks. Mm.
0: And have you got any success stories from what you've been doing?
1: Absolutely. So, I mean, we have we split our charity into four arms. We have we have conservation, research, education, and expeditions. Um, so we collaborate with other organisations for different projects. So we've seen um the conservation branch. We we were part of a coalition to get airlines to stop sh- um, shipping shark fins. I mean, this was quite in our early days. And we actually had a kid. I mean, he was about sixteen at the time from one of the international schools here. He was the catalyst for Thai Airways actually to stop shipping shark fin. That was a big, big win.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: that was back then. I mean, now we're, we're linked with a campaign called Fly Without Fins, um, big Twitter campaign. So if you're on Twitter, have a little check that one out. Um, and again, it's all about tweeting and getting the response of these airlines that are, are carrying shark fin because some of them aren't even aware of it. um our other big campaign and again it's only the last year we've got more involved in our own campaigns and we took the fin spire change campaign that was something somebody started a petition in the uk when they knew um you could bring 20 kilograms of shark fin into the uk from anywhere in the world um, undeclared because it was kind of classed as dried fish product so Mm. he contacted All the other shark organisations, we took it up and we, with him, successfully created a campaign that we got more than a million signatures, which means Parliament are now reviewing and we hope, we seem to hope it's getting closer, they should review that law in Parliament. So we hope that's going to lead to actual legislation change, which would be the first, you know, and a massive, because it's a silly, outdated law. (laughs) Yeah um so yeah i mean that's just some of the wins from the conservation from education i mean that's that's our big thing we've always you know that's our passion especially mm-hmm. with the kids yeah. we've had kids who have you know we go in go, we do these presentations and then the teachers message us you know in the following weeks and several oh yeah so and so their parents were trying to take him into a shark fin restaurant but he was dragging them away pulling them away you know <laughs> the kids actually Taking that action and and stopping, you know, and and that's them taking a stand because the parents often don't know all the history behind it. It just becomes this, call it a culture, not really a culture, but you know, it's just the normal. Um, So for the kids to stand up and say, hold on, we're not going to carry this, you know, through the generations, it's massive. So we have this, we have that all the time. And kids saying that they're no longer scared of sharks, I think that's a massive, because again, you know, I've got friends my age. Their kids are scared of sharks because they watched Jaws when they were little. Mm. So it, it's it's again it's changing what's carried down. You know, I mean, I, I'm I'm early 40s. That was made in 1975 before I was born. Yet whole generations of people are scared of sharks because of a movie.
0: Maybe you could get a donation from Steven Spielberg to help you. <laughs>
1: Well, um, he he did actually do quite a lot after, and, and Peter Benchley, who wrote it, he he spent a lot of money on shark conservation and research after it because of the backlash. So they both have done quite a lot. And, you know, do you wish he'd never made that movie? Uh, you know, obviously they're not going to say mm.
2: no. <laughs> no.
1: Uh, sorry, they're not going to say yes, yeah. but they... Um, but, yeah, they have actually done things as a real thought well, of you know, it. It's not stopped other negative movies being made since. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the tide has changed a bit. We have a lot of success stories like that. I mean, people often say, how many sharks have you saved? You know, how can you say what you're doing is making a difference? Mm. But we know, we know that because the kids come up to us and, 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 and that's, well, that's one of the things that keeps us going, you know, during the hard times.
0: Well, they're the future, aren't they, the children?
1: absolutely um, I, I mean and with that as well it is the bigger picture you cannot ignore the plastic the trash the nets that are in the ocean so that especially in Asia especially here I mean we go into local schools here in Thailand we have we have two children's books and we donate them to schools around the world um, and we donate we, we had the first one translated to Thai so we go into Thai schools donate books and then Talk, do a mini version of our presentation but very much have to talk about the trash I mean you go along the beaches the streets here it, it's just a nightmare plastic really? is just overflowing so <laughs> um, you know and of course it's all seat beaches that are suffering due to plastic in the oceans and, well, and Ghost Nets is a whole new but- Whole other
0: story well, I was going to ask you what's it like? was it like to live in Thailand? Because the pictures I've seen, it's all beautiful, but of course they're the, just the beautiful pictures. So now you're painting a slightly different image to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, for uh, culture-wise, they're still very much far behind of, about taking care of their country. There are people ties making a big difference for sure, but there's still a mentality. Um, and we saw this probably even more in Indonesia, you know, these are, are people who used to just eat their food in a banana leaf, um, and then were able to throw it on the ground. When plastic became big and popular, um, the same people started to just, would just throw that on the ground. Mm-hmm. So that's, again, a generational thing that gets carried down. Yeah. Um, but it's also, the you know, it's also the big... Um, the big corporations who are still producing the plastic, you know, that produce, you buy things here, it's plastic wrapped with plastic inside it. And, and you know, when you go to the local store, 7 is massive here, they always give you a bag rather than asking. You know, it, it's, it's so far behind. Yeah. Oh, and then all the markets, you know. It, it just became a thing that, you know, they leave the market carrying five or six little bags. Um, and I always get smiles because I'm there with all my reusable material bags, you know, all my mesh bags full of all my vegetables and, mm. um, and, you know, hardly any of the Thais do that. So we, you know, we just hope by us going into the schools, we plant a few seeds, maybe it will change, mm. but it's, it's very, very much lacking. I have to say one of the positives of there being no tourists here now, you know, for more than a year there's not been tourists. It's been real, a real bad effect on the economy or on locals. It's very sad. Mm. Um, but the beaches and the ocean are cleaner yeah. because the tourist boat, is, they're not very responsible. They took everything in the ocean. But, you know, that's a whole new a topic I could talk about for hours as well. <laughs> um <laughs> It's just about doing our bit, you know. We do. We have something called Trash Hero. We go every week weekend one day to do that, just for an hour. Our oh. girls pick up trash all the time. It's just it's a way of life for our kids. Unfortunately,
2: yeah. And
0: are you going to stay in Thailand for forever for the near future?
1: Um, we we don't think so, but I mean, a year ago that's what we had said, and obviously <laughs> we have we're very fortunate to have been here yeah. with everything that's been going on. We're missing family and friends terribly who knows when we're gonna see them. Mm. But it's a very beautiful place. You know, the place we went to this morning, there's certainly there was a couple of bits of plastic we had to pick out the ocean. But but no, there's there's so many stunning places here. Mm. Um and again we just hope when the tourists come back that they don't you know that again that the ties are appreciating how beautiful it is. Mm. We hope that because there's more travel of ties. Um if the world was open We would be jumping in a camper van in Australia and travelling around because we've got a lot of unfinished business there. We've got a lot of sharks we want to see, a lot of diving we'd (laughs) like to do while the girls are young. Um, There's certainly a lot of exploring in Asia that we'd like to do. Again, Mm. our girls are six and two, you know, like the world is their adventure and their schooling. Yeah, um, but but who knows what this world is going to be in in six months' time, hey? <laughs> well,
0: hopefully better, you know. I think it will eventually, looking positively. So how do people find out more about your shark organisation?
1: Have you got a website? Yes, so we are www.sharkguardian.org and we're on, as I mentioned, with Twitter. We are link, uh, LinkedIn um, and Instagram and Facebook. Course. And we've got a YouTube channel actually. So on the on the website we have lots of interesting blogs. We also have some resource pages. We've got lots of coloring sheets you can you know download. Posters you can all download for free. So there's lots of stuff there, and and we even created a few videos in our first lockdown. um So you know two or three minute longs. You can learn a bit about sharks. So you know if you've got shark mag, kids or adults, th- there's lots that you can find out. And of course you can find out more more about getting involved with us and, and supporting the ch- charity because we are a self-funded charity we have a cool little web store you can buy you know our books t-shirts, sweatshirts that kind of thing so that's you know raise awareness as well as supporting our charity that's what we encourage
0: Brilliant and I'll make sure that your website accompanies this episode of Human Stories thank you so much Lise, for talking to me you've been fascinating, thank you <laughs>
1: Thank you, thanks for having me
0: Human Stories is a free podcast with no fees paid to contributors in the hope that they'll inspire or help others. Get in touch if you have a story to tell. If you or your organisation would like a professional podcast series to reach your own audience, or if you'd like training so you can do it yourself, I can help. Go to TonyLloydRadio.com
1: Human Stories with Tony Lloyd